I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Welcome back to Heroes 3, the bi-weekly podcast where three friends explore the best, worst, and everything in between in the world of Asian cinema. Hope you enjoyed your January. I know we did. It was, it was a long year, a long yeah. end of the year for sure, and it was nice to have a month off. So thanks for being patient with us, and thank you so much for rejoining us. Um, this week's going to be kind of a, a look forward at the year to come for us, and we also want to kind of give you a treat with a look at uh, three short films, and... <laughs> They're all they're all pretty out there, and I'm looking forward to talking about them. Um, but it's three short films from three different countries that are in Asia, arguably. <laughs> we'll get into that though. <laughs> and um, animated, they shows, are yeah, and animated, animated. Yes, and they're all animated. I've, I've been doing a lot of research into animation in, in Asia, and this is kind of part of the uh, outpouring of that. So uh, this week we're going to be looking at Cat Soup from 2001, a Japanese feature. Um, a Deer of Nine Colors from 1981, which is from uh, mainland China, and Polygon from 1977 from the Soviet Union, <laughs> actually. Uh, so yeah, I'm very looking forward to talking about all these. But how have you guys been? Oh yeah, I've been been chilling. Yeah, it's funny you every once in a while you pop in with some messages on our Discord, and yeah, over the course of January, each time it was about anime, and I was like. Oh no, Matthew's turning yeah. us into another anime podcast. Like, yeah. what's going to happen? But no, I, I think what we basically decided is that, and we've done this here and there already on the show, but between our major arcs of episodes, we'll cover um, a, a piece of animation. And mm. we all love the animation, and uh, we're all big fans of a lot of different things, and it'd be fun to explore a lot of uncharted territory. So, yeah, um, totally. Yeah, I, I think, you know, going way back to us doing Havoc in Heaven, um, that was like, I mean, honestly, like, I realized, like, China as a country, I don't really know a lot about animation that comes from China. And uh, within the last... <laughs> that's because a lot of it's really bad. Well, I was I was going to say... <laughs> that's, the big, yeah. that's the big thing I found from my research. Yeah. A lot of it's really bad. But honestly, like, within the last handful of years... Um, yes. The country's gone through their own renaissance of animation, and now we're starting to see a lot of the companies that would localize anime uh, in the States are also releasing some of these either standard animation or um, uh, computer animated features in the U.S. too. I, I think right now, actually, G-Kids is releasing, uh, I, I forget the name of it, but it's the new computer animated film from the people that did Neja and uh, Jiangxia. So these are are huge draws when they're released in China and it's it's really cool to see that that's making its way over here. So I'm I'm excited to talk about this stuff. So Dude, yeah, that's super exciting. And the other thing that I love about these picks, Matthew, is um each short really has like an approach to animation that's all its own. And so it's like three very unique like craft points of view. And I think they each say quite a lot about like the their directors and their country of origin. But yeah, there's tons of tons of interesting stuff to to talk about. My my January went by really quick though. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> it's funny. The first couple of weeks were nice and slow, and then I feel like something around like the the thirteenth 
it just rocketed towards yeah. towards the end. So, mm-hmm. dude, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel I I felt like I had like karmic retribution for sometimes having my YouTube on like one and a half um, <laughs> rate because that's yeah, it was totally like that the whole the whole month. But nice. honestly, kind of all for the good because it's just great getting back. <laughs> I don't know back mm-hmm. together again. I always worry yeah, sure. that I'm just gonna. I mean, not that I'm the best at this to begin with, but I'm just going to have to relearn <laughs> everything in February. But I mean, so far, I feel like we've we hit our stride already. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and I think this is a really fun way to do it because these are three separate little features that um, don't have a lot of meat to them. They're maybe pretty wild in some ways, but... Um, uh, yeah, they're just about death and war and <laughs> yeah. you know human yeah, that's corruption right. and yeah that they're all these moral cautionary tales and existential i don't know <laughs> i i really don't know what we'll get we'll get into them but i think another thing that like connects them is like i don't think anyone's kid would like sustain interest like these are the kind of animated shorts if like you put in front of a kid like Oh man. I don't yeah. know, tantalizing them. It's like, oh, you're going to watch a cartoon. And it's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and they're actually all available pretty readily. So, I, yeah, I think, you can find all these on YouTube right yeah. now. To varying, um, not degrees to varying quality, quality but, but, yeah. but you can find them there. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so we'll talk about these for a little bit and then we'll talk about looking ahead to the podcast. Yeah. Well, uh, Bag of VH doesn't really make sense for this. So, I guess we'll just dive right into it. Yeah, it could be like lobby card or like poster. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, good luck writing a, a short synopsis of this next one. Because the first one <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about is Cat Soup from 2001. I'm doing a little reverse chronological order for this. So... <laughs> Um, but yeah, this is a, it's a anime. It's from out of Japan by JC Staff, who it's funny in recent years, JC Staff's kind of become like the B team for some stuff. Cause like uh, the big thing everyone complained about, about season two of the one punch man anime was how much of a, den- a downshift it was from the first season. Yeah. Which those... was what? Madhouse, I think. Yeah, Madhouse. I mean, how? Yeah, Madhouse did the first season. JC Staff did the second season. Yeah. <laughs> so. but, but I I watched both. And I mean, of course, you're, you're comparing yourself to Madhouse. And with One Punch Man, yeah. with season one, it was like they were firing on all cylinders. Yeah. But season two, I didn't think was such a downgrade comparatively. There were still some really nice moments of animation. It just wasn't like the. I mean, wasn't the complete insanity that is the first one. Yeah, yeah. So, but what is complete insanity? Katsu. <laughs> oh, dude, totally. <laughs> yeah. When um, really, right from the drop, it's clear that it's like the just aesthetically, like, I don't know if that was this would even really read as anime, I think, too. It does to feel people. like it's like very unique, like, onto itself. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess like it does because it's very Japanese. But yeah, the yeah, like the, the actual that, like draftsmanship and like the also yes. the like the motion is like I don't know, almost like getting kind of I don't know Rugrats or like early. I got gotcha, you, kind of classy chupo, kind of, not yeah. quite that ugly, but <laughs> but I I do think um, that you're scratching at um 
the 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 artist here that and and when I originally saw this, I didn't understand that as much. But um, becoming a fan of anime and really becoming a fan of like the art of Japanese animation, um, a name will always crop up, and his name is Masaki Yuasa, and he's become a very notable animation director and and creative force in in uh, in Japan when it comes to um, just animation in general, and um, he's the uh, he's the like the mind behind how everything looks in this film, and yeah, it does really call to something like a Klatsky Chupo, very kind of out there kind of oddity kind of uh late night animation festival look to it right right and um i think that um i mean he was handpicked by the director tatsuo sato who had worked in a lot of like television animation and um his his basic vision is pulling from uh this the 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 manga that this was based off of and um i think that yeah you use these like these very cute images like these cats but you're telling this like i don't existential kind of really really out there story and um masaki yuasa like is really good at that like i I don't know how familiar you guys are with crayon shinchan have you ever seen any of that i've seen a little bit of it yeah so it's a lot of like gag humor and um like kid joke stuff but i think the the character designs of crayon shinchan kind of um call to this too where it's like this kind of it doesn't look like anime really i mean it does if you if you keep watching it but if you see a still of it you're like it looks like uh sunday funnies or something like that right right but yeah i think shinchan crayon shinchan's definitely like whenever you see that that's the same person that did this, you can definitely see that with like the, like the, just like the character designs and lots of people don't really have eyes. They just have big, like big black voids. Yeah. <laughs> um, and <laughs> yeah. things like that. When it's also, um, um, I think really strikingly, it's largely told without, without sort of traditional dialogue, I think you would say. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right. There's no, I mean, they said they recorded some voices, but they were of staff members and those are distorted to use in certain uh, segments. But other than that, all of the dialogue is uh, communicated through like a, like in a manga, a word bubble. Yeah. And even then there's only like three of them in the whole short. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. <laughs> but the, the biggest thing that kind of stuck out to me was the, the, the it's not like, gruesome gory but it gets pretty violent in a few spots because like a big kind of running thing throughout the the 30 minutes is that like things getting like disassembled and reassembled yeah like there's the girl the the girl the magic show that gets like chopped into pieces and then gets reformed and it kind of a nightmare more before christmas thing where the cat's arm gets chopped off and then sewed back on and I know. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, pretty wild stuff. Yeah, it's this interesting balance between like a, the very inviting, simple, like childlike design of the characters, and then I would say almost like a very like explicit dealing with like life and death, and that means like both spiritual like death and moving on, but very much like death of the physical body. And I don't know, it, it's like it carries this like very dreamy tone like throughout. So I think even though to describe some of what happens in the movie is 
sounds like would sound like I think very gruesome at times. <laughs> um, there's this sort of you're in this kind of haze almost for like the whole length of the short, and yeah, still, still definitely thinking about it. Lots of the images still in my head, and uh, yeah, it's not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> like, um, but it's also I think a yeah a very beautiful piece. And dude, I was re- yeah really sad to. Um, read that the uh, the creator of the manga because I think they used like an alias when mm-hmm. making it, but yeah, Nekojiru. Yeah, they they committed suicide like I think shortly before. Yeah, and in in, in a way, I, yeah, I think it does really inform what we're watching. Um, uh, the director uh, Tatsuo Sato um, is loosely pulling ideas from the manga, but kind of he, I, he describes it as like making it like a parallel to what you'd see but the the basic idea of this short is that um uh, there you've got the two main cats nyako and nyata and nyata sees that his sister nyako is being her her spirit's being taken away by like the god of death and what happens is he and and this is all open to interpretation too but basically it seems like he tries to rescue her but doesn't completely rescue her and then they go on a journey yeah, it's almost like he gets like her soul is split in two and yeah. he only has like one of <laughs> one half of it or something yeah so then it goes to this idea where they go on a journey to kind of what what ends up happening recover all of her and um but i mean between those two bookends you've got all of this like absurdity and abstraction that pulls from all these different ideas where it almost seems like a compilation of of different like set pieces and ideas that they wanted to show and i actually yeah, totally. a lot of those ideas almost seem to be visually driven too which is really exciting to me and um uh with there being not a lot of dialogue um, a lot of the communication in the animation is like through character acting. And I think even though right. these little cats look very simplistic, and all of the characters look kind of strange. Um, all of the character acting and all of the like effects animation is done to a very high degree that really helps communicate all of these abstract ideas. Like, and, and it's very visually satisfying, even though maybe the subject matter isn't something yet you'd want to watch over and over and over. And I actually, I have to say too, that um, Matthew brought these picks uh, to us. And um, I was so surprised to see that he picked Catsuit because for me way back, like just shortly after it came out, um joanna's cousin came to us and said hey you gotta watch this weird animation and uh (laughs) we all sat down and watched cat soup together and it was like an experience i really would never forget (laughs) and um (laughs) so to actually revisit it like literally like 20 years later is it's pretty was wild. it bringing you like viscerally back to that yeah to there's that moment, there are, there are these moments that i just very vividly remember from the animation itself and like i guess it, it takes me back to when we were watching it and uh so i actually reached out to him before we recorded because oh, cool. i wanted oh, to wow. see if he still had it and he still has the dvd and actually the dvd's out of print so it's worth a lot of money but even oh, wow. the dvd when it was localized here has this very out there cover where um, you've got the images of the cat family, but over them is this like gel layer where there's little cutouts of the cats and this like 
and honestly it looks like blood like goop that you can push around on the dvd cover oh. <laughs> and that's still Weird, yeah man. that's still i mean it looks good i'll, I'll take a picture oh, dude, of it wild. because like actually like if you see it like if you look it up online you don't see a lot of images of it it's dude, funny crazy i'm messing with it now just pushing and then the blood uh, around also interesting <laughs> It's interesting too is that the movie was released like straight to to home video, and I know I know this happens with like like with other anime, but it it it's actually in like twenty nine nine seven like frame rate, and so there are certain effects that are like basically like thirty frames a second. Kind yeah, of that effects. kind of look weirdly smooth. I, I noticed that too. Yeah, so kind of yeah, kind of cool. The, the but I wonder if some of it is also them kind of experimenting with digital because like the early early oddies is whenever all the anime studios were kind of trying to figure out digital. Yeah, and yeah, it's like totally. mo- most famously, Fooly Cooly is basically just a long experimental thing mm. of trying out digital techniques. Yeah, um, and the director and, and the, the DVD release has a director's commentary and there's an interview with the director, and in both he he states that using digital uh animation was something that he he wanted to do and he wanted to use it as a tool to kind of um support 2d animation there aren't like moments of like cg in this but you can see that there's like digital manipulation in certain things Mm -hmm. like um like distortion and stuff like that yeah like whenever there's like the moment where it's like times going backwards and like there's a like a fish that's de-evolving and a person turning into an ape and walking backwards and stuff. Yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah, actually, <laughs> when you watch it and when it gets to those really absurd moments, it almost does feel like a David Lynch situation. <laughs> oh wow, yeah, good, yeah, good connection there. But <laughs> I, I think it's still really cool, and I think it's cool that it's only like thirty minutes, and yep. it kind of tells this really interesting abstract story and it really leaves it open for discussion because like even like what was that is like a a fun thing to talk about and actually the director himself said that there were moments where both he and Masaki Yuasa would have to describe things to the animation staff and even they didn't really understand how to relate it do I tell you I'm quitting or do I just walk out yeah (laughs) I wrote it down too because they said that uh the the staff kept questioning if they should be making something so strange, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which is which is great. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. And honestly, I was whenever because I was just doing research and was looking up like you know what are some cool short anime films, and I I'd, I'd watched a couple, and um, this one came up on a list, and I watched it, and I literally only got like fifteen minutes in, and I sent to the group, "We got to talk about this <laughs> yeah. on the podcast." I love um, it. And Please I was pumped whenever Carlos. Watching, I was pumped whenever myself. Carlos said, "Oh yeah, I know Cat Soup." Because I was like, "Oh sweet, yeah, you will know way more context and stuff about it than I will." Well, I so. think that what's fun about it is that yeah, just don't. I mean, don't know anything, you know? Like, oh yeah. The only thing that was kind of a revelatory thing to me watching it 20 years later was that Masaki Yuasa was involved. And to me, like, oh, duh, like, and this yeah, is like makes sense. 2001 or 2002, I think. I think 2001. And um, shortly after that, he'd released this film called Mind Game. I love that movie. And it's mm. it's similarly very strange and deals with life and death in different ways. Um, but yeah. Cat soup, good times. Um, Cat soup, yeah. You can't like, like I said, you can't see it on YouTube. I think 
There was one that I saw that wasn't in the right aspect ratio, but I did find another one that was right in the right aspect ratio. So yeah, we'll, we can we can put that one in the yeah in the comments. We'll add those to the blog post. Cool. Well, next up, we're gonna take a look at a deer of nine colors. Or sometimes you'll see it as the nine-colored deer, obviously, same thing. But this is from 1981 and is by Shanghai Animation Film Studios, which we actually have seen on the podcast before because they did Havoc in Heaven. Yeah. Um, Obviously, that was about 30-ish years before this. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, and actually, that is a big part of it because the Cultural Revolution happened between those two. Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) So uh, it it, it became uh, a much more nationalistic kind of outfit um so it's also fascinating to think of that gap in time and then i'm curious if you were to just bring an audience in cold and ask them okay what year do you think this was made mm. i feel like it reads like i don't know early 70s it does maybe you know late yeah 60s it definitely and, feels a lot more old school um which you uh, know kind of makes sense whenever we're talking about like a film scene that um, doesn't have a lot of sort of global connections or a huge, a huge bench. Um, But I think given all that context, I think is a very impressive piece. Um, And yeah, leans, leans very heavily and kind of sort of classic sort of fable kind of storytelling Mm -hmm. reminds me of these. um, uh, Alvin has been showing me some of these old, these like televised, they're kind of like classic among like different like Indian families. And I think she used to watch them growing up where it's like, they're depictions of things from like the Mahabharata, the Bhagavad Gita. Um, oh, just, cool. just like the pacing of the story and everything like that reminds me a lot of, a lot of those, but yeah, um, it has that like mythological, you know, classic story kind of vibe and, you know, uh, pacing, like you said. That's because it, it's based on a Buddhist story that was mm-hmm. actually it was cool. I did some research into Mogao, I think they say it, the Mogao Caves, mm. um, which is also known as the Cave of Caves of the Thousand Buddhas. A uh, very Chinese name. Um, got to have some got to have some nice. exaggerated numbers in there. Um, kind <laughs> yeah. of like nine colors, which I'll get into in a minute. <laughs> but pretty sure she only has seven but <laughs> um but uh the, the mogao caves are it's this series of caves in china that had has a big temple on it and there's this huge collection of stories that was and like writings and things that were literally behind like a wall that had been plastered over in like the 11th century Whoa. and literally just sat there untouched until the early 1900s Dude, what a cool story. And yeah, it's it's fascinating. But yeah, it was like a obviously a, a victim of uh uh British colonialism, but the 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 te- the, the stuff that were found in it um got split up and are all over the world now. Mm. But um but yeah, it's uh if you look up Mogal Caves on the Wikipedia, there's a really really good article with lots of cool uh references and stuff in it showing art from it and everything. But Dude, one of the awesome. stories uncovered from it was the story of the nine-colored deer, which is very, you know, simply just a story about this mythological kind of creature that goes about doing good things, and then one person uh, tries to kind of take advantage of that, and they get their comeuppance. So, you know, classic fable stuff. Oh, yeah. 
and yeah. a, and a queen that wants to <laughs> to wants to skin the nine colored deer and wear her as a coat. <laughs> oh, dude! I think one of my favorite uh, gifable moments is like when she's. I don't know, sort of like fake crying and pleading with him and saying like, and I'm going to kill myself. Um, sorry, I'm not making light of that. I'm like, just, <laughs> no, I, I guess I, yeah. Um, no, no, <laughs> but like, but he has the, he has this take. It's very brief. It's like this like little close up on him where it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's a, yeah. This is this like beggar guy that gets, he gets his life saved from the, um, by the deer because he falls into the river, but then goes finds out there's a huge reward to help track down and kill the deer, and and turns on her. And his, it, I think it's supposed to be that he's like getting abscesses and like his skin's getting like right. rotted away. Yeah. And he volunteered for those turn, curses like, dark gray and too, like gross. early on, like the deer didn't like impose those on him. He was saying like, oh yeah, and if I lie. And he just like he had a list at the ready of like all the bad things that would happen yeah. to him. So it's like yeah. Um, and I I do sort of like how that ends up working. Um, I mean the deer still has very much a kind of like, uh, you know, traditional like discipline oriented kind of mindset, and it's like oh you will be punished for, um, for cruel deeds and stuff. But it's it also feels like her hands are sort of clean, um, from what happens, and that it's. Yeah, like the yeah. the beggar brought it upon himself. Yeah, I also kind of feel like the queen should have gotten some comeuppance. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, because like sh- the queen's the one that wanted to skin this beautiful creature. Yeah, especially but... she has this big dream sequence. It's like if only I could kill the deer <laughs> <laughs> and um, wear as this incredible coat. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah. And again, that crying scene is so great because it's like immediately once the king says like, oh, "Okay, yeah," then I guess we'll look for it. She's like completely fine and um yeah yeah making her plans <laughs> i think that just visually it's just it looks really i mean you see the still like of the 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 nine colored deer with like this kind of aura behind her and uh contrasting to like the very colorful backgrounds they use and it it looks beautiful i i love it yeah yeah i really love the it, it's it's cool cuz it genuinely looks like some of those drawings brought to life. Right, like it has, right, right. Like everything has that same kind of like not quite right kind of like aspects to it where everything's very like kind of flat. Um, but it, it everything moves so in such a cool way. It's very colorful, um, which is it's kind of a shame because the, the one on uh, that's on YouTube is definitely very, you know, degraded yeah, sort and of kind faded of VHS faded. So I would love to see like a, you know, restored or or whatever yeah and the um the havoc and heaven did get a restoration some like i don't i don't know if it's a 40 or 50th anniversary or something like that and uh it would be cool to see that appreciation appreciation shared with this um Mm. even when it comes to like um the old like toy like toy animation studios in japan like a couple of their first like feature films um going back to like the late 60s were based on chinese like so like alakazam the great was based on journey to the west and um actually something i watched just recently it's it was called panda and the magic serpent when it came out here mm. but it, it's basically the white snake enchantress like that like chinese fable and um those like were their first big hits so it's kind of cool to think about 
how like some of the origins of the success of animation in Japan are also tied to uh, Chinese myths, which is is pretty cool. And and what we see here with the the nine colored deer. I wish there was more stuff. <laughs> like I, if you look it up on YouTube, there's a couple of weird like within the last year. There's like a web game like collaboration with the nine yeah, colored deer. Yeah, Ark Knights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's Ark Knights, like, which is it. Took me a very long time to figure out what Ark Knights actually is as a game. Nice, yeah, because that's kind of flooding the comment section at the moment. So. It is, oh, yeah. Really? It's really funny. It's a bunch of the comments are from like the past year that are like, "Oh man, you chick socks of Ark Knights." <laughs> that's funny. But yeah, it's like a it's like a strategy game kind of thing, but it's like a you know gotcha game with all the you know unlockable. You pay for skins and stuff. Yeah, like that. but there's like a minute and a half trailer introducing the collaboration that has some beautiful animation and it makes yeah, you really yeah. wish that you'd see some more modern takes on like on like a lot of gotcha games that make stupid Man. amounts of money and they aren't putting it into the game because the game is super simple so yep. they get like full orchestras to do the music they have these incredible Man. trailers things like that so yeah that's, pretty, that's adver- a different topic advertised gameplay that is not in there <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but oh, the man. other thing I think I really like about, and we talked about it a little bit already, but um, is how it really starts with this magical, whimsical feel, but at the end, it's like this brutal vengeance, basically. Yeah, that yeah. you get yeah. out of this comeuppance from the merchant. Yeah, I love stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, the yeah the beggar dies, and everyone, all the like all the king's men all feel bad now. Yep. After she's like, shame on you. And she gallops into the distance. Yeah. But yeah, she's got arguably seven colors. There's <laughs> mainly white. And then she has these little like. No, you're totally like, right. And, and when they things. do this, the chimes too, I feel like it never gets up to nine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She does the chimes as she's hopping and like is a different color and only does it like seven times. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> but that, again, that's a very Chinese thing of like you throw a number out there because it sounds nice, but the, the real thing's not usually that. Oh, number, yeah. Like, hey, Marty, your right. seven little fortunes. <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah, Actually, yeah, that's a very or it's good like example. A one of it. child policy, but it really, you know, it's not <laughs> yeah. really very strict or anything. Yeah, nice. <laughs> oh, and we skipped over it, but uh, Masaki Yoasa actually injected Jackie, Samo, and Yunbyu into Crayon Shinchan for an Yeah, episode. you posted that video right before oh, dude, we started amazing. this. That's so cool. Yeah, and it's awesome <laughs> because they're just kind of these joke characters and mm. uh they get to have a little action sequence, but they get their butts kicked. And the Jackie character gets tossed out a window, and he totally does like the falling through the awnings, like in um, Project A, where he's like, "Yeah, yeah." And it's 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 that, and then they do a retake of it, like it's the NGs basically, or like the how they would show a stunt more than once. It's actually yeah. pretty, yeah, dude, super fun, pretty super lovingly smart. captured. I love it. So yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll add that to the podcast. And just like the caricatures of, um, oh, like, they look good. Their faces are just, yeah, great. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's spot on. It's always, it's always cool finding other media from this time and and from like the just just from the past, like before we started the podcast, because most of the stuff didn't really exist in my head until right. you know, 2017 so like or so. You're finding out that there's this whole universe. So it's that, cool yeah. being like, oh yeah, this is this has existed for a while <laughs> and I just either didn't notice it or just didn't know where to look. So Yeah. So Yeah, it's almost like you I don't know, 
yeah, there's like a Schrodinger's box situation. Yeah, opened it and I get you. Like, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. anyways nine color deer. Yeah, it's 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 pretty neat. Yeah. It's it's a little slow in some parts. It's very like okay, what are we doing? But it's very pretty and. Yeah. Um, it's definitely, it's only 25 minutes. So, and I feel like, like this is, I was, I guess, joking earlier, but this is the only one that I feel like probably be all right, like showing to a kid. Yeah. But yeah. The, you could the show kid, kid probably yeah. wouldn't be all right watching it. I think there's, <laughs> I feel like it's more of a, yeah. So, our final one, pri- uh, the, definitely the shortest, this one is only like 10 minutes ish, is Polygon, a Soviet movie from 1977. <laughs> And it is, it's, it's funny because it's made by, um, it's directed by Anatoly Petrov yeah. and, yeah. um, he's a pretty prominent name in, uh, Russian animation. And actually like m- me bringing this to this is kind of just like a signal for me. Cause I, I've always wanted to dig into Soviet animation, um, it's been so long and now it's like, Hey, this is really like what I want to do this year just to like learn a little bit more about this. Cause, um, animation has a really solid foundation in, uh, in Russia and, and there's been a lot of great things to come from it. And, um, this is like really cool short to me. It almost feels like, and actually combining these three together almost feels like, like MTV's liquid television where they would just kind of like <laughs> totally. give you all these really weird things that make you think or make you feel like, or, you know, whatever. And, um, yeah. uh, You've got a, a really cool concept here where um, they take you to this sequence where there's an inventor that invents a tank, but this tank can read the thoughts of its enemies, and it uses that to become like a perfect killer. And uh, yeah. this inventor is showing this as a demonstration to some military generals, but what you find out is that the... He's Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah, he built in a cave with a bunch of scraps. Yeah, but um, he's got like an ulterior motive to show these guys because uh, his son was a soldier that died in the war and he, he holds them accountable. So he uses this as a tool for revenge and the way that it plays out is really cool. That's one Dude, side really cool. of it that I think is really cool. Um, the other side of it is just how visual uh, like this animation yeah, looks. Yeah, it looks crazy because it it's old. Like it's kind of it's. I mean, it's rotoscoped in some ways. Like there's some things where you can see the real motion, but it almost looks like there's like uh, it's like it was pictures of people that were just like painted over. Mm, Yeah, and the way the the motion of like this is one. If you did show to a kid, they would say, "Nah, this is like this is not a cartoon. I don't know what this is." Um, (laughs) But it's it's really fascinating to to behold because it's. Um, yeah, it, it's somewhat reminiscent of like efforts to kind of, uh, animate paintings, um, where you feel like you're moving from like very like highly detailed frames that don't have a lot of freedom. And also it's like any principles of animation and squash and stretch just don't seem adhered. I, I don't know. Maybe they were forbidden in the Soviet Union. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really its own. Th- and then there's a very striking sort of like flashback transition um, that they also 
I think recycle maybe three or four times, but, um, it, I mean, it's kind of stunning every, uh, each time it appears, but, yeah. um, yeah, difficult to describe, but, uh, some amazingly gifable moments of these like close-ups on the eyeballs, they've rendered these eyes unlike anything I've ever seen. Um, uh, like just the actual design and then especially in motion, it's really, yeah, I'm, at a total loss for words to, to describe this. Um, and I'm still at a loss as to whether I really like enjoyed it or whether I found it like a bit too uncanny, but, um, I, I'd see, I think I'll keep recommending it even (laughs) until I figure it out. I, I, when I was a kid, when I'd see stuff that looked rotoscoped, I always thought it was cool. And like, as I grew a bit older, I encounter more and more people that are like, Oh, that's horrible. I hate it. And I, I get it, but I I just think it's still really interesting to see things done this way. Like all the Bakshi yeah. stuff, like I mean, I can understand how people are like, well, you know, he could have just filmed it or why did he even bother to animate it? But I still think that there it gives you a look that you don't really see anywhere else. And um Totally. What you get here I think is a little more of an artistic take on something like a rotoscoped animation yeah. because you still almost see like key frames in their animation and you still see right. like it doesn't look like they're literally tracing over a person most of the time a couple of the shots you can see that but there's yeah. i mean honestly the this has like the best uh like run cycle animation that i've seen in a really long time it does yeah. and it feels yeah. like they know that because whenever you see it it, it really holds on it for a few seconds right yeah, and it's amazing it, a great moment too like in the action where it's like oh i've got to stay in the blind spot of the tank mm-hmm. yeah it's very video gamey yeah like i have to yeah, stay in the right way. zone so the so the death tank doesn't see me yeah and it does it really respects you as the viewer too, because this is like only 10 minutes and they really, really drill into this concept in a, in a great way within the 10 minutes mm-hmm. and they pull you emotionally too. And it, it, it also almost reminded me of something like, I don't know, like Jojo's Bizarre Adventure where in Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, they'll encounter this villain that they have to figure out. And then like that becomes the crux of the encounter in yeah, that whole idea where it's like, I have to stay within this, range of a tank to survive i thought it was super cool and it gets into like the psychology of it where he's like basically giving up like he realizes he can't defeat it i thought that was so cool when also i think just really i think a daring piece of of art i mean the, the more that you read about all artists during during the soviet union is just um i mean the amount of pressures and like strictures and limitations on what was what was allowed is i mean i think really really kind of incredible and i don't know to actually openly make this film that's really talking about war and the violence of war and international conflict but yet doing it in a way that isn't overtly nationalistic is i I don't know i mean i think there's a lot that I don't know, just really admire about like the goals of the the piece, but yeah, super interesting. I did also have this feeling like I, I thought the ending was really effective, but just in terms of like the tempo of the movie, I was sort of getting the vibe of like when Ben Wyatt and Parks and Rec has like devoted, 
however no. he wants to make a stop motion, and it's like seven and he's seconds. Like, or that, that can't be it. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, That's funny. I think it took yeah. like two years to produce this short. I believe it. But yeah, it's it's interesting because the yeah the way that it ends is it's like this this tank was being tested and some some like definitely not the Soviet Union some presumably African country and at the end of it it's like you know kids like playing on the tank and stuff because it's been you know undone but then the tank comes back to life and and causes problems which is it, it again it's a very interesting to have such a like anti-war kind of message that was very much funded by the Soviet Union <laughs> right right and, because um, everything was funded by the Soviet Union if you were in the Soviet Union. Yeah, so, right. we should mention it uses that um, El Bimbo, the the pretty well known uh, like kind of classical yeah. piece. And <laughs> I was thinking about it because I was familiar with it, and it's. <laughs> The reason that I remember that song is because they used it in Police Academy. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I'm getting out of here. Move it, move it, move it. <laughs> it's like a tango song, if, I re- if I'm remembering it right. But yeah. that's why I re- recognized it from this short. <laughs> oh, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I'm just seeing that they actually coined a, a term for the the animation technique in the movie photographica or photographica. Oh, cool. Uh, Does it say anything um, about like how they and then it, did it? And this is just pulling from the Wikipedia, but it oh. says that it consisted of two celluloid layers for each character with special color schemes and with one of the layers out of focus to imitate the three-dimensional space rendering. Oh, yeah, cool. that's, you really get that sense where there's, there's a kind of, uh, I don't know. There's a kind of depth to it, but it's also uh, it's also flat in a way that it's like you a might fuzzy, not expect. Yeah, it's like, again very difficult to yeah. to like verbalize. It it actually yeah it does look like there's like a fuzzy like out of focus like layer to it. Yeah, that's that's and, really cool. And it's interesting actually. Um, I don't know the source of this, but the w- Wikipedia also seems to suggest that. Um, you know, so the characters were modeled after celebrities like Paul Newman and Ringo Starr. Cool. We can all now picture which one is Ringo. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny because I was kind of thinking that guy kind of looked like uh, Clark Gable. Pedro Pascal. Oh, I was uh, thinking. Or Clark Gable. I was thinking yeah. like Clark Gable. <laughs> cool. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, it's a similar look. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, if you're listening, Pedro, we, we, we think that you drum Please come like on the Ring- podcast. You drum like Ringo, but you, you look like Clark Gable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nice. Oh, cool. I'm glad you guys. Me and my wife have both told have told each other we would both leave the other one for Pedro Pascal. <laughs> nice. <laughs> He's the it guy right now. Dude, totally. He is, yeah. yeah, nice. Oh man, I'm glad you guys like this one too. This is the yeah, one no, that and I this brought. is this is yeah, yeah. Carlos brought this one, so um, and I'm sure we'll talk about other um Soviet stuff too because there's a lot of wild stuff out there. Yeah, for sure. And it's, a lot of it's pretty short too, so easy breezy. Um, but yeah, so that's our that's our look at these three interesting kind of short filmy things. So, what do we what do we got in the what do we got in the pipeline, Carlos? Oh man, well, 
I'm going to be talking about Godzilla to some extent this yep, year. <laughs> where it's finally happening. I don't feel like it's going to be this... I, I mean, I don't know. There's part of me that just would let it consume us, but I don't want to do that to you guys. <laughs> just turn to a kaiju podcast for a year. Yeah, but I definitely want to have fun bringing him up and sharing the love that I've had for that big green guy for such a long time. <laughs> yeah, and I mean... We're, there's still so much for us to revisit when it comes to all of our favorite things. Yeah. Um, I definitely am looking forward to finding more animation stuff and bringing it um, because obviously there's tons of cool Japanese stuff we still haven't talked about. I've been diving into a lot of other like 70s and early 80s anime stuff. That's that's real cool because the world of anime movies is interesting since a lot of yeah, a lot of like, there's so much stuff. And if you try to look up anime movies just by like Googling that, it's almost always going to pull up like stuff based on TV series. Um, and there's a lot of examples of stuff. And actually, we've done one of them because we did the Fist of the North Star movie that's basically like you like shortening, like abridged kind of versions where it like mushes a bunch of the show into a movie. And there's a few like that that are that are pretty cool. Oh yeah, dude. Um, um Mac, actually, Mac Cross, do actually, you it's funny. Love? Um, I, I, yeah, we're yeah, that's yeah, we're definitely we'll definitely I do really Mac Cross. Do you remember Love at some point? Um, but actually, um, shout out to a friend of the show, uh, Alex Hawking. He actually brought up uh, re watching the uh, Galaxy Express three nine movies. Um, and I he literally he watched it and I watched it completely independently within like a day or two oh. of each other. Oh, nice. So, That's um, fun. Um, and I'm I'm looking forward to looking at more because uh, recently there's been some Indian animation that's pretty cool. Mm. Um, there's a there's a a film that was gone through Cartoon Network India called Lamput that's like a it's very Looney Tunes. Oh, yeah, I've heard of this. Um, like, some of them were literally, like, commercials in, not even commercials, but, like, commercial link things mm. on Cartoon Network that are, like, five to ten seconds, um, which watching them at HBO Max all right after the other is, like, a, it's like whiplash. <laughs> um, but they're really cool, and, and a lot of them are really funny. Dude, nice. So I'm looking forward to figure out a way to get that in there. And we um and actually speaking of that, I would love to do more uh Bollywood. Yeah, Bollywood's having a moment too, uh, at least in the West. So oh, dude, for sure. I mean, I'd expect like the Academy Awards to acknowledge RRR in some way. I think they're nominated mm -hmm. for best song or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I know people are looking forward to that yeah, performance. That's really for sure. exciting. Every year we 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 mentioned Tony Jaa, and I feel like we need to talk about Tony Jaa this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. dude. Yeah, totally. Something that I've loved for uh, another thing I've loved for. Oh, are really you not? Are you not looking forward to that, Matthew? <laughs> no, I'm it's curious. just it's just funny that Tony Jaa just keeps getting kind of yep. put on the back burner. I have this funny little <laughs> video that's been on our share drive for a long time that I I don't want to bring it up, but it's been sitting there because I know eventually we're going to talk about Tony Ja. <laughs> um, oh, dude, <laughs> but like, I mean, all our Hong Kong stuff too. Like there's, there's just so much that we haven't even there is touched so on yet. Um, you know, heroes of the marsh water margin. We've talked about, um, like Wuja in a lot of ways and we've done journey yeah. to the West, but, um, I feel like the water margin and, um, uh, all of this stuff like that, like, is these are the things that I really like to talk about because there's so much 
that leads up to making a movie about something like that. It's not just adapting a novel or adapting a TV series or something. It's like a right. it's like a cultural thing that I I just get so much enjoyment out of doing homework for. So um, I'm for sure looking forward to doing something like that. Dude, totally. And I'm 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 also yeah really excited about the notion of like a Wong Kar Wai arc yes. and like getting into a whole other side of you know hong kong cinema and definitely our comfort food too you'll 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 definitely hear us talking about jackie and yumbu and samo yeah totally (laughs) well it'll it'll be a while before he run out of uh movies that star at least one of them (laughs) yeah (laughs) thankfully right on (laughs) thankfully yeah that's yep so <laughs> something else. I, I guess that's a little bit of enough of a tease of what we're talking about. And that's not it, too. Of course, we're going to be. I. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, we do episode every two weeks. But is it, there's always so much more that I want to talk about. But putting mm. out an episode every week would be a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's hard enough to do it I feel like, this way. And I, we, we, we did kind of go weekly for a minute there. Yeah, but we year. really had to like, commit to that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we, we could figure it out, yeah. but yeah, it would be it'd be a little tough. Maybe so. just for certain stints, but not like a yeah, whole maybe. long run. But um, <laughs> one of the other things that I really want to do this year is that we've gotten a lot of uh, feedback on our uh, like Heroes 3 Tournament Edition, the, the fake fighting game that we made up. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think that this is the right time to revisit that. So I'm going to, for our anniversary episode this year, I'm going to put together another roster and have fun coming up with ideas for how they're implemented into the game and what their moves would be like. So um, I guess to close out this episode, I was going to ask you guys if there was a character that you guys wanted to enter into it and i'll i'll add my own too so um the characters that i want to add is somebody that we didn't do a full film episode on but we were very excited to talk about and i think the world is excited about this movie right now so um i want to add evelyn wong to our fighting game from everything everywhere all at once yeah oh yeah i think a character like that would be very fun to play around with yeah. like in a fighting game sense so um yeah like all the different yeah, like versions move, moves of involving like different versions loading in and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. so that's cool oh, that, dude, total. oh man and then like yeah the location and the backgrounds could be like yeah phasing yeah. in and out too yeah. yep so that that's my pick what do you guys have any Ooh. ideas what you might want um you know i, I was actually there's there's two that jump because i was trying to look at movies that we talked about between because I was in 2020, so between that then and now, and one that jumped out was the Lucky Stars movies, and I feel like Jackie Chan in the Raleigh Chan mascot outfit <laughs> just sounds really funny to me with the samurai sword. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just this, this and a gun, just yeah. this weird yeah thing with like you know playing around with the mascot uh, uniform and everything. That's funny. Or. Uh, lone wolf and cub like playing around and like you know using the baby card as a oh, as man. a weapon and stuff yeah that'd be <laughs> awesome all the different gadgets and weapons hidden away mm-hmm. cool i love it <laughs> oh dude oh that'd be awesome oh lots of good ideas but i feel like stephen child's final kind of fighting form in love on delivery um, oh. oh yeah yeah <laughs> yes that with the eggs yeah with the egg eyes oh that'd be yeah, that'd be that'd be amazing. <laughs> oh man, cool, cool. Or the Garfield, <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> the Garfield would be like a win pose. 
Yeah, oh yeah, oh. yeah. He puts on the, oh, that'd be great. <laughs> that would be the peace sign in the garden. Actually, I have I have a friend who said that his his wife has like a really deep like affinity for for Garfield because it was like a comfort thing for her as a kid. And he hadn't never heard of Love on Delivery, so it's like, oh, you gotta check this out. Oh, amazing! <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. cool. Well, yeah, here we go again, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're doing yep, it. Twenty twenty three. We're doing nice. it. Hi. Well, thank you so much for checking us out again. Uh, if you like the show, you can leave us a review on whatever you're listening to this on, like Podcast Addict. I think you can do reviews, but the big one is Spotify and iTunes. Those are the big, the big guys or Apple Podcasts. I honestly can never remember. Uh, you can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at Here's the Number Three Podcast on all three of them. Um, and that might be it. Um, so uh, next week we are very much going back to our our comfort our comfort zone our, our comfort food of movies with our our classic trio. So uh, Carlos, tell us a little bit about what we're checking out next week. So for next week we will be discussing the Young Master from 1980. Um, this is a Jackie Chan film, and I believe yeah. it's the second film he directed. Yeah, second film okay. he directed. Yeah. I mean, I think you could argue it's like his first kind of like uncompromised like directorial feature and his first real big production um with golden harvest um so this really started an incredible legacy yeah really exciting i think yoon Bu's in this film as well if i'm remembering yeah, right yeah, it's been is. quite a long time since i've seen the young master so i'm really excited to revisit it well until next week where we're taking a look at the young master i'm matthew i'm marty I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Remember your training. Heroes 3 is part of the Mercado Brothers Podcast Network.